Welcome to the program, Blessed Among Men and Women, with Father John Horgan, a program about the men and women the Holy Father has brought to the altar as blessed. And now, here's Father John Horgan. Welcome to Blessed Among Men and Women, a continuing series on the lives of saints and beatified persons who have been raised to the honors of the altar by Pope John Paul II. My name is Father John Horgan, I am a priest of the Archdiocese of Vancouver in Canada, and I am your host for this series. Today I want to present to you the figure of a very great man, an apostle for our time, St. Albert Kimielowski, the founder of the Albertine Brothers and Sisters, who care for the homeless and the poorest of the poor. St. Albert's vocation is in many ways a prophetic one, given the number of persons who in our own cities and towns are homeless and alone and abandoned. Albert Kimielowski was a painter, a patriot, a father of the poor, and a religious founder. He was born on August 20th, 1845, at Igolmia, near Krakow in Poland, the firstborn of four children. At the baptismal font, he was named Adam Bernard. When he was only six years old, and very sickly, his mother took him on pilgrimage to a shrine of Jesus crucified, where she was convinced he was cured before the miraculous crucifix, and so for a year dressed her child in the brown of a Franciscan habit as a sign of gratitude to Christ our Savior. Young Adam's family was always charitable with the poor, and the boy grew up in the same way. Those who knew him in childhood attest that he used to divide his pocket money and any candy or food that he had with those who were more needy around him. After the death of his father in 1853, he was sent to a military school at Petersburg using a special burst of studies for state officials' families. He returned to Poland in 1856 and went to a high school at Warsaw. When his mother died in 1859, he was entrusted to the care of one of his aunts, under the guidance of whom, in 1862, he attended an agricultural college. The next year, war broke out in Poland, a revolution against the Russian oppressors. The saint, moved by love for his country and youthful enthusiasm, enlisted as a foot soldier. But after nine months, he was so gravely injured in one foot that he was taken prisoner easily and interned in a camp near Miechel. On September 30th, 1863, in one of the camp's first aid stations, his leg was amputated because of the festering wound without any anesthesia. The pain that young Adam felt was so great that he ground into powder the cigar that had been placed between his teeth as the only aid to bearing the pain. At the end of his internment in the prison camp, the saint led a very busy life. He decided to study art, one of his great loves, and so went to Paris, where he found for the first time an artificial prosthesis for his leg and began his studies at the School of Fine Arts, where he continued until 1871. He then returned to Warsaw, where he received a certificate in further studies, to Ghent in 1866, where he followed a course in engineering, to Munich, and again to the School of Fine Arts in Paris. Throughout his years, he always attended 
Sunday Mass and even exercised a very great influence on his fellow art students, bringing them to Mass with him. In 1880, when he was 35 years old, Adam made a course of spiritual exercises, a retreat at Tarnopol, under the direction of the Jesuit fathers, and decided to enter the novitiate of their order as a lay brother. Unfortunately, in the first months of his religious life, he was overcome by a tremendous attack of scruples and even suffered a form of nervous breakdown. His superiors sent him away to a state mental institution where he passed ten months. Leaving this institution in 1882, he took up his work as a painter again, staying with his brother Stanislaus. At this time also, he met a wonderful priest who was able to bring him through this spiritual illness of scruples and restore his faith, his hope, and his balance. His health now much strengthened, Adam began to travel all over Poland, restoring paintings and churches, and speaking about the Third Order of St. Francis, which impressed him greatly. It was at about this time that he entered the Franciscan tertiaries as a novice. The Russian authorities, who oversaw Poland at this time, became suspicious of this wandering painter who was so popular, and because of their continued scrutiny, Adam decided to establish himself permanently at Krakow. During his time in Krakow, in addition to his work in fine arts, he became the counselor of those who came to him for advice, the consoler of the suffering, and the help of the poor. Those who knew him wondered what would become of such a fine artist because all of his money was spent on the poor. He considered their taunts and teasings and questionings to be quite normal, always taking them with good humor and simply shaking his head and saying, May God's will be done in me. Through one of the poor boys who came to him for help, he learned in 1886 of the existence of a kind of night shelter, a public dormitory in the city which was opened to the poor and which sheltered not only the old, the sick, the unemployed, beggars, and abandoned children, but also thieves who preyed on the less fortunate. When he visited this place, he remained so shaken that he decided that God had called him to help these people. He decided even to take up residence there, realizing that he could not give anything to the poor if he didn't give them himself. And so, at the beginning of 1888, he enrolled in the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in order to have access to the help of benefactors for this work. And on the 25th of August of that same year, he took the Franciscan habit, clothing himself in the Third Order Franciscans with the name of Brother Albert. In the course of his life, Albert will often say, It's never even crossed my mind to found a congregation. I thought of other things when I thought about saving the poor, but God had something very different in mind. From the very beginning of his work with the poor, he found difficulties of all kinds, friends who did not persevere in their aid, and others who sought only to take advantage of him. In fact, one night, while he was housing several poor people in his own home, someone robbed the house, and to prevent Adam Kimilovsky from following after the thief broke 
his artificial leg in three pieces. The city council of Krakow was in charge of the night shelter, and so it was to them that Brother Albert now turned, asking for permission to direct the shelter and for funds in order to maintain a level of hygiene and also of food and support for the poor who came there. One of the city assessors, an Orthodox Jew, was thought to have opposed this program, but in fact, having heard Father Brother Albert's words, turned to his other city councillors and said, We should kiss the hands of this man for what he wants to do for our poor. Other societies, like the Vincent de Paul Conference, did not want to hear about this work at the time. They thought that there was no hope of any success whatsoever for these poor thieves who flocked to the night shelter. Brother Albert, on his arrival, set about winning the hearts of these men and women. He placed an image of Our Lady of Chestakova on the wall of the shelter and made himself one with them. He shared their food, the straw on which they slept, and the poor air that they breathed. In time, slowly, he began to win their hearts, and each day he washed floors, arranged mattresses, and made this haunt and denizen of the night hours a home, a place of warmth, not only physical warmth, but spiritual and emotional warmth as he reached out and caught the hearts of the poor men and women around him. Albert never wanted to abandon his poor. When he contracted a form of typhus that had spread contagiously throughout the night shelter, he murmured to his doctor, If I have to die, let me die here. In fact, Brother Albert did not die. And after morning prayers, he would rise in order to put on coffee and some bit of food, to speak a word of comfort to the sick, to give instruction to those who would listen, to open his heart to all those in need. At night, the holy man would patrol the room with lantern in hand, making certain that all were safe and covered. In the afternoon of each day, he would go begging through the streets, a sack on his back. All Krakow spoke about him. It was impossible not to talk about this famous artist, this well-educated man, who had given up everything to share the life of those who were considered the refuse of the city. The mouths that Brother Albert had to feed rose to over two hundred, and soon he had need of enlisting the help of parishes and friends throughout the city. He did his best to invite helpers to follow after him, but for a long time he was alone. The civil authorities were content with the work that he had done and made available to him a nearby house so that followers who wanted to dedicate themselves in the same way to the poor could be housed and have a place for studies and also for a religious novitiate. For Brother Albert's helpers all had to give themselves to Christ before they could give themselves to the poor. He was asked, after a short time, to also care for a women's shelter in the other end of the city. And so, for this, he enlisted the help of several women, 
who were desirous of consecrating themselves to God and giving themselves over completely to the service of the poor. The first of these was Anna Lubanska, a young woman who had seen Brother Albert participating in a procession on the Feast of Corpus Christi and was struck by his devotion, by the poverty of his garment, and by the gait caused by his wooden leg. In 1890, Albert rented for her and another companion a small hut or barracks where she could share the life of the poor women who were housed in a refuge on the other side of town. In 1891, Cardinal Dunajewski admitted the first eight disciples of Brother Albert to clothing with a religious habit in his oratory and gave them the work of caring for men, women, and children, the aged, those who were mentally ill and contagiously ill. The spirituality of the institutes that Brother Albert founded was based upon charity, poverty, and penance, the three characteristic notes of his life. His forgiveness, his mercy towards all is exemplified in this story. One day, in his old age, as Brother Albert was riding in a carriage with one of the brothers, he stopped suddenly, got down painfully, and headed toward a man lost in the crowds pouring down the street. For no apparent reason, he warmly embraced this unknown individual, and then returned to the carriage where his astounded colleague was waiting for him. "'What's going on?' asked the brother. "'Why did you embrace that man?' because he is the greatest benefactor in my life, answered Brother Albert. And then leaning forward, he added confidentially, Promise me to say nothing about this to anyone. That is the man who robbed me that night and broke my beautiful artificial leg some ten years ago. I owe him a debt of thanks. The sinners and those who were poor morally had a special place in Brother Albert's heart. To them he opened his thoughts his prayers, and his works. He invited them to conversion and taught them the love of Jesus crucified, his mercy, and his grace for all. Brother Albert did not have any kind of economic organization for feeding the poor. When the situation became too difficult to go on, when there was nothing in the kitchen, it was very simple for him. He got people to pray. First of all, he had them pray to Our Lady, the Divine Provider. All the members of the community would kneel down with their arms extended in the form of a cross and recite the Subtuum Presidium. Then they would turn to St. Joseph, whom Brother Albert held in such high esteem. He loved to repeat St. Teresa's of Avila's words that St. Joseph has never refused me anything. One day he wrote, when everything seems lost, we have recourse to St. Joseph, who always comes to our aid. Believe it, from my own experience. A Hail Mary addressed to St. Joseph is super effective. Try it out and let me know how it goes. Many times he went to bed without any food because there was nothing left after the poor had eaten. These sacrifices were the ordinary life of Brother Albert. One day, the treasurer of the community came to tell him that the cupboard was bare, absolutely bare. What were the derelicts and the poor homeless people to eat? Let us pray together, said Brother Albert, and he knelt down. 
An hour later, someone arrived with a letter from an unknown person, a Russian Orthodox man who had fallen in love with St. Francis of Assisi. On a journey, someone had told her that to discover the Franciscan life, she should not go to Assisi, but to Poland. And so she provided the food for that day and for many more to come. Events like this were ha always happening in the life of Brother Albert. The instruments changed, but the giver was always the same, God's providence. As Brother Albert got closer and closer to death, he would remind his disciples, Remember, bread was multiplied in the hands of the apostles because Christ had blessed it. In our shelter, bread will never be lacking, for the bread that goes to the poor will always be multiplied according to our need. We shall see the miracles which providence will perform through our hands. He always reminded his spiritual sons and daughters leaving for various missions in other cities of Poland to have a perfectly confident charity. It's a big world, he would say. If you, they throw you out of one place, go to another. Having nothing, you'll have everything, for providence watches over its little ones. Wherever you go, you will have the same star-studded sky overhead, and in heaven, the same Father who loves you and who is infinitely good. Before his death, Brother Albert promised his spiritual sons and daughters, you will never lack what is necessary as long as you have holy poverty. The two great teachers of Brother Albert's life were St. Francis of Assisi and St. John of the Cross. He drew the rule for his Albertine brothers and sisters from the primitive rule of St. Francis and St. Clair, and he himself received his spiritual direction from St. Raphael Kalinowski, the famous Carmelite who died in 1907. Brother Albert gave himself over to prayer constantly, for it was only through prayer that he found the strength to accomplish his mission for Christ. One of the brothers, who had to sleep in the same cell as Brother Albert, on one occasion, wrote later, I don't know whether his, it was his leg causing him pain or sleeping on a hard surface, but the fact is that Brother Albert spent many night sleepless nights. But every time I awoke, there he was with his eyes wide open, lost in God, lost in prayer. As Brother Albert aged, he was afflicted by a cancer of the stomach, which for many years caused him terrible pain. But still he would never turn away from his duties. In fact, he had a way of backing God up against a wall by reminding him of his solemn promises in the scriptures. See here, Lord, did you not say that for those who seek the kingdom, the rest will be given besides? We are poor people of no value at all, but we are certainly seeking the kingdom. For if it is not that, then what are we looking for? So give us the surplus that you have promised us, not for tomorrow, but for today. Amen. With prayers such as these, Brother Albert continued to draw down the grace of strength to continue his mission, and also all that was needed in order to feed the poor. Only love can do violence to heaven, he would repeat to his spiritual sons and daughters. And all of his letters end singing the glories of divine providence, which never fails us. Albert wrote, Rest upon its bosom like little children, in all security. Do not give Jesus the insult of being afraid. 
If you lack something, tell him about it, and you can be sure he will provide. Do not worry at all. Be without fear. In heaven we have the finest of fathers who holds everything in his hand, even to the tiniest detail. Commend all things, great and small, to divine providence, and abide in peace. One of the superiors told him one day of his fears over not receiving a donation that had been promised him for the maintenance of his orphanage, and Brother Albert replied, I don't share your concern. God uses benefactors, but it is he who feeds us through them. It is to him that we owe everything. If to this day he has permitted us to hold on, let us trust that he will do likewise in the future. And I wonder if it is not better for us to be often in desperate straits and without resources, for otherwise, where would our confidence be? Money is the least of my worries. What we need to do is cast ourselves madly into what we must do because God wills it. The way to do it will always be found. This was Albert's way. In 1914, when Brother Albert was 69 years old, he could see that Sister Death, as St. Francis loved to describe her, was approaching, calling him to herself. During this time, he suffered from extreme exhaustion. Many members of the congregation became infected by illness. Several died. Famine set in over the city of Krakow. But still, Brother Albert who could see that the Lord was calling him slowly and gently, continued his work. 1915 passed, and then 1916 began. While he was on a visit to one of his houses, he found himself forced to go to bed, unable to move any longer. After having recuperated for some days, he predicted to the sisters that he would not see them again on this earth, and then arranged to be transported to Krakow in a carriage, to a doctor who tried to gently tell him the gravity of his state. He said only, This is God's will for me. He was implored to make use of a softer bed, but he preferred to wait for death without a complaint and in continual prayer, stretched out on a wooden board, with his head laying on a cushion filled with rough straw. Around him, the brothers and sisters succeeded one another in prayer. They could not hold back their tears always, and then he would say, What are you crying about? You must thank God for everything, for sickness, for death, and for war. Sing a te deum instead of crying for me. He received his last sacraments with great joy, welcoming all those around him who joined in their prayers and pointing out to them the picture of Our Lady of Chestakova, which hung on the wall by his bedside. It is she who is our foundress. Never forget it. On the evening of the 23rd, his condition worsened. His suffering was great. In great pain, he sometimes gave way to moaning. On December 24th, he received Holy Viaticum with great fervor, kissing his crucifix, sitting up on his pallet and looking at all with a luminous gaze. Taking advantage of this sudden respite from his pain, Father Lewandowski asked him to bless the order, his poor and his orphans, and Brother Albert solemnly drew a large sign of the cross and said with great emotion, With all my heart, I bless you. I bless them. Stop your tears. I command you to accept the will of God, no matter what it may be. 
bitter or sweet, and to give thanks to him in all things. Then he himself began the Te Deum that he had so often asked his brothers and sisters to sing. Gently, quietly, on Christmas Day, December 25, 1916, he entered into the joy of heaven. At his death he left 21 houses for the homeless, the derelict, and the poor, and two sanatoria for religious who were ill. In 1949, his body was moved to the Church of the Carmelite Fathers, and in 1983, Pope John Paul II declared him blessed at Krakow. On November 12, 1989, in Rome, Albert Kimelowski, the father of the poor, was declared a saint of God. In his funeral address, the Bishop of Krakow had said, Far from praying for this soul, we should invoke his intercession. Certainly he is in heaven, in possession of his beloved Jesus, whom he cherished so ardently in this world. That one treasure, Jesus and his love, is the gift, the treasure, the richness that Brother Albert desired for all his poor, and which we must learn to love above all else. Albert repeated often, to his religious, the Albertines are for the poor, not the poor for the Albertines. With this selflessness, with this faith, with this love, let us invoke St. Albert for the homeless, for the poor, for the mentally ill who wander our streets and who are alone. Let us pray that this great man, who was given the gift of creating beauty as an artist, and the grace to discover beauty in the service to the poor may bestow upon us a deep love for Jesus so that we might serve him all the days of our life. God bless you. Thank you for listening today to the program Blessed Among Men and Women with your host, Father John Horkin. 